I believe it's create, live, and sell your personal brand. We don't sell it the right way. And especially folks in the lending space and financial services, like you are literally selling you before you sell anything else. I have to trust you before I trust whatever you're trying to get me to buy. You are already creating an impression. People are already talking about you. Are you able to control the narrative with the little bit of information that's out there or with the misinformation that's out there? You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 252 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Dr. Cindy McGovern to the show. Dr. Cindy is the founder of Orange Leaf Consulting and is on a mission to help organizations, entrepreneurs, and individuals create dynamic and robust sales processes. And she's also the author of the brand new book, Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live, and Sell a Powerful Personal Brand. And today, I look forward to diving into Dr. Cindy's new book together, as I see this as a tremendous resource for financial brands to empower their leaders, their lenders, their advisors, and their associates to maximize the overall future growth potential of a financial brand by building strong, powerful, personal brands. Welcome to the show, Dr. Cindy. It is good to share time with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation and a big shout out to Ethan who connected us. Um, He's also a podcast guest, a fellow author as well. And before we get into talking about your brand new book, Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live and Sell a Powerful Personal Brand, what is good in your life right now? What is positive personally or professionally? It is always your pick to get started here. So right now is at the time of this recording, it's November and I always do a gratitude inventory. And this is my moment to think back over the year, the people that have affected my life, the people who have helped me, who have been there to encourage me. And I am literally overwhelmed by the support that I've gotten for the launch of this book, but just in life. And so what's good right now is that I am surrounded by good people. You know, that's so important to be surrounded by good people. Uh, It was Jim Rowan, you know, who once said, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, which is as, you know, we're all thinking, talking about here on this podcast, not just digital growth, but growth, personal growth, professional growth, marketing sales growth. And it's so critical to be mindful of who you're spending and sharing time with. How has that impacted you just throughout your own personal journey of growth, thinking back? So I I completely agree with Jim. And and we are sort of the sum of the folks that we surround ourselves with. But I feel so lucky that somehow these people have come into my life. You know, I'd love to be able to say, oh, I had this grand plan to find these people. (laughs) But it, it, it just sort of, they drift in. And by pausing and looking at it and saying, gosh, 
wow, that was amazing. And like Ethan, who introduced us, kind of incredible, right? The way that we get to meet people in our lives and they weave in and out. Mm. It's really a remarkable thing if we pause and take notice of it. That right there is a really big practical already, you know, within a couple of minutes, key takeaway for the dear listener to create space and time to just pause, to review, and to reflect on where you've been. Because it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in, in the doing of whatever it is that we're doing, whether it be marketing or sales or tech or growth. It doesn't matter. It's like you have to pause to review and reflect on where you've been. But I also think about, you know, who has been a part of that journey with you? And I'm grateful that that, that you're a part of this podcast journey here to help others because, you know, you have written a fantastic book, Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live, and Sell a Powerful Personal Brand. And I think this is so important because, you know, when I think about a lender or a leader or an advisor or an associate at a financial brand, building a personal brand has been a recurring theme on this podcast. And so we're going to dive into the book. But first, I want to take a step back. Why? Why write the book in the first place? And why now? So I wrote this book because I wish somebody had handed it to me when I was 19. (laughs) It's truly that book that we all have a personal brand, whether we realize it or not. But we maybe don't create it with intention. And even if we create it with intention, we miss the third step. I believe it's create, live, and sell your personal brand. We don't sell it the right way. And especially folks in the lending space and financial services, like you are literally selling you before you sell anything else. I have to trust you before I trust whatever you're trying to get me to buy. That's a fantastic point because in the banking world, whether it's retail, whether it's commercial, whether it's wealth management or mortgage, people still do business with people in a digital world. People still bank with people in a digital world. And that is because to what you just said, people trust people. And before we get too deep, what is a commonly, we'll call it commonly held misconception or a belief that maybe a lender or a leader has when it comes to building a personal brand? What is it that holds them back in this journey? The thing that I find that holds them back the most is the fact that they either don't recognize that they have a brand already, but more importantly, they're not advocating for their brand. They're not actually selling it, which is why I named the book Sell Yourself. Mm. Because we talk about that, we throw that phrase out there, but the operative word is sell. Right, right. We have to be proactively selling, just like you sell your products, your services, you have to sell you. And that's the most important sale you're gonna make. It is, and you have a fantastic story. I want you to take me back. It was a couple of weeks before you were graduating with your PhD, and you had a professor that you respected, you trusted this person, but they pulled you aside and they whispered in your ear, and, and this person said, girls, look like you aren't supposed to be smart and i want to get your take on this because it could be it's like wow that that wasn't very nice how did it make you feel when you were told this but i think more importantly how did this become a catalyst to propel you forward on your own journey of growth to establish build and expand your own personal brand I think it's in context, right? So I knew this person was there to help me. 
and it came from a good place. Taken out of context, I think I probably would have reeled on that and been like, what the heck does that mean? But I knew that it was meant to be an advice statement. And I went, okay, why is he saying this? Like, what is he saying? I just did this PhD. I've studied for three years. I did this whole research. What? Right. <laughs> and, and what he was telling me without saying these words is, you have to sell yourself in that room before you sell your research. They have to buy you yes. before they're going to buy the study and your hypothesis. But nobody ever taught me that before that. And that became the catalyst for this book that became the catalyst for a lot of coaching that I do with salespeople, with leaders, because you have to recognize it's you are the product. No sale happens without trust, none whatsoever. Mm. I have to trust the product on the shelf. I have to trust anything about it. But there is a personal moment where I might like what you're selling. I might like your bank. I might like even whatever the product is. But if I don't trust you, I'm not going to buy. <laughs> Yes. It's got to be you that you sell. And we are selling ourselves, whether we realize it or not. We're selling ourselves 24-7 online. We're selling ourselves in everything we do and everything we don't do. And so that professor was basically giving me an entire semester of life lessons in one What's... sentence that, like, it's carried me ever since, truly. I, I want to bring in... Alec Hansen, who is over at Loan Depot, I saw him speaking recently about an experience with a mortgage off loan officer. And this mortgage loan officer had been nurturing a prospect. They'd been looking for a home. Maybe it was like six to eight weeks. And, and this mortgage loan officer had been doing all the right things, following up, checking in, how can I help? And then when it came time to get the mortgage, the couple that he'd been working with chose to go with another lender. And the reason for that was that this couple had been consuming the content of this, this other mortgage loan officer who, you know, asynchronously had been providing even more guidance and advice than the initial contact that they had. And they felt that they had an obligation because this other individual had helped them so much, even asynchronously, to go and do the mortgage with that individual. And back to your point, it's about selling yourself before you can even sell the product or the service, or in your case, the research. And when you think about commoditization of the vertical within financial services, whether it's mortgages or retail or commercial or wealth management, the power of the individual brand I believe, has the potential to be far greater than even the financial brand, the corporate brand. What's your take on that? Because that's a very dangerous, scary thought for a lot of, I would say, leaders in the C-suite. So I would, and I'm going to go on record and say it right here, I agree 100% with that statement. Because let's flip it on its ear. I trust the financial institution. I trust the product, but if you're the guy I talk to and I don't trust you, I will not buy. Mm. So it goes both ways. So you've got to, you know, even in the, in the world of digital times and AI and all of the things that are going on in our world, and we're in this sort of 2D world versus 3D and seeing people in person, like there's still a person, right. there's still somebody on the other side of that chat line. 
there's still somebody that you're texting with. That is a human being. And if I do not establish that you can trust me and I am a worthwhile individual to connect with, the conversation's over. So the path forward, you know, to establish this trust in a digital world, in a digital context, and it could be also be in the physical face-to-face world as well. I, I think the knowledge is transferable across different mediums, if you will. Um, you've broken the book into three parts, create, live, sell, and you see the greatest opportunity is on that last part where, where people probably do undersell themselves, which we'll come back to in a, in a minute. I want to start off, though, for context for the dear listener, around creation, Where should one get started when it comes to creating and establishing a personal brand? Because to your point, people are doing this either consciously or unconsciously. And if it's unconsciously, (laughs) it might not be down the right path. So the first thing is take an inventory and literally look at what's out there and how you're perceived and ask for honest feedback. And that's really hard for a lot of people because you're gonna hear stuff that maybe you don't wanna hear, but here's the reality of it, it's out there. (laughs) So if you got spinach in your teeth, tell somebody to tell you you got spinach in your teeth. And that's what you're doing when you do this personal brand inventory to get super clear on that. And once you know what's out there, then you have to ask yourself, is that in alignment with who I wanna be? Is that in alignment with the me that I wanna leave as a legacy here on this earth in this life? And if it's not, then that's where the creation starts to come in. It really is looking at your core values, what your legacy and your impact, quite frankly, needs to be on this world and what you want it to be, and then making sure that is in alignment with the path that you're on and the stories that are being told about you when you're not in the room. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com slash insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. As a very practical action item to build upon your thinking here i encourage the dear listener to do one simple activity it takes probably less than a half a second type your name in the search engine search engine of google and click go or click enter click search and see what comes back and i think you know what you find or probably even more so what you don't find will be very telling is to do you even exist in this kind of digital ecosphere. And I think about my own journey here. You know, if, if you were to search me 10 years ago, I've, I've been doing this professionally now for 20, but I had a very different personal brand 10 years ago. Um, it was probably a little bit more edgy, um, maybe a little bit more disruptive. And I found that that's not how, back to your point, I didn't want to be remembered for that. Um, I, in fact, I was in a very kind of a dark place in my life and realized that I was um, personifying some of that negative perspective externally. And I had to do a lot of, I'll call it inner work to get beyond that and then get to the point to where I'm at today, which has been my journey over the last decade. 
I wasn't happy with what you would find a decade ago. What do you find, you know, when people say they go down this path and they, they either find something or, or maybe even more dangerously, they don't find that they exist in this, you know, in a, in a Google search. So when you find that you don't exist, that's literally because you haven't sold yourself. You haven't been proactive about putting yourself out there and making that mark on the world that you want to make. And I'm not saying you have to be on social media or you don't have to be on social media, although I would argue you do, given the audience. <laughs> so, but, but looking at that mark that you're leaving, we are all leaving a footprint. Yeah. And so if you found nothing back, then that's your footprint. It's nothing. <laughs> mm. And it's and it's a harsh awareness, but it's truly finding a way to make sure you're reaching the audience that you want to be making an impact with. And you know, if we were to talk to our parents or our grandparents' generation pre-internet, they were making an impact in their communities, in the schools, in the town, in in their state, you know, in their industries. We're still doing that, but we have so many other avenues by which to execute that are we actually using them to our advantage i think it's about exponential impact exponential is a word that i think a lot about from the lens and context of digital back to your point historically we've always people have always made an impact there's always been coi centers of influence within a local community but now the impact that we can create becomes even more exponential and and it could be exponential within the community it could also grow outside of the community in a sense of community is no longer just, you know, borders, boundaries, and zip codes. Community resides in people's minds, their likes, their interests, etc. But it's scary, Dr. Cindy. It's scary that I have to put myself out there in into the world in a way that I've never done before. What do you tell people who they let that fear hold them back from achieving their full potential? So it's a great question and it boils down to, is your mission greater than your fear? Mm -hmm. Is your mission to leave a legacy and leave that footprint and leave that mark and make that impact greater than the fear that you're feeling right now? And if it is, then you make that move. If it's not, there's your answer. You're selling what you want, but the awareness around it is that you are selling something. You are already creating an impression. People are already talking about you. Are you able to control the narrative with the little bit of information that's out there or with the misinformation that's out there? And we have a responsibility to monitor that and to make sure we're helping to control that narrative in the way that we want our legacy to be shaped. You know, once again, another very practical action item for the dear listener is, 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 is two Latin words, memento mori, remember your death, because it's it's the old story of you know you're born on this date and you die on this date but it's like what happens in the dash that's the most important thing right there and we get a limited amount of time like we can we have the potential to create an exponential impact through these different communication mediums and i think that's what it all boils down to because you mentioned something about controlling the message controlling the narrative that's communication and you know when we come back to your to your book um Another big danger, another big roadblock is how beyond creation, you know, you get into the the next part, which is about living out the brand. How does a personal brand of a lender or leader live in tandem with the corporate 
brand. You have a whole chapter about this. I do. And it all goes down to sort of having a common thread of your core value and who you want to be known as. And and if you've got what I call a split personality brand, they're going to be in conflict with one another and people are going to have a hard time mentally filing you. If you're this guy at work, but you're that guy after five o'clock, really hard. So making sure you have that common thread between them, and it doesn't mean that you don't have multifacets. We all do. Mm -hmm. But that the narrative isn't in conflict with one another because you are literally either building the brand or detracting from it. And mm. when it's in conflict, you're detracting. That's a great point about the idea of a split personality. Like you're this way outside of work, but you're this way inside of work. And you're always going to be at conflict. I, I think one of the greatest lessons coming out of the post-COVID experience has been, you know, the old worldview of work-life balance, quote unquote. I don't think work-life balance is a thing anymore. I think that I think what we're working or we're striving towards is work-life integration, and that takes a little bit of truth telling. It's like, who am I? Why am I here? And how can I find a brand or an organization that shares a similar set of core values and core beliefs that I can integrate? with to create value to collaborate to co-create alongside others because you might find that where you're at today isn't where you need to be going forward into the future which you have another chapter about this it's like and and i i, I guarantee you there's at least one person listening globally who's thinking what do i do and my question for them is how, how can one know when it is time to rebrand? So I, I talk about this a lot in the book, but for the listener, I, I really want them to take this moment and just say to yourself, if you took an inventory today, can you say with 100% degree of certainty, you are on the path to leave the legacy that you want? And if the answer is no, then it is time for at least a minor rebrand, a micro rebrand. If you are not even 50% of the way there, it is time for a full rebrand, self-assessment, honest inventory, and figure out what you're putting out there that's truly in conflict. And what I find for a lot of people, and especially when they're in a service industry, let's call it, where we're serving others, we don't think about the brand enough. We think about the delivery of the product or service but we don't think about how we are leaving that impression. We we think we're trustworthy, right? We communicate, we do all the things right. But you're selling them on the experience of you. So what did that look like? And that may be where the conflict occurs is it's not even in the you did it or you didn't do it. It's the how you're doing it. I can think of an individual in real time right now who is in our digital growth university at an organization. And you can see the conflict of this individual because we're challenging some conventional thinking. Um, they're a lender and they've been doing this for multiple decades. And I just finally had to have a very serious conversation with the sponsor of the university within the organization of like, What's the future here for this individual? Because if they continue forward, they're going to continuously create conflict. And that's going to hold everyone else back who's wanting to move forward. 
So back to your point, being mindful of where you're at today versus where you want to be going forward into the future. What about for people who maybe, maybe they've never taken time to even really consider this. Like it's not even in their sense of awareness. Maybe this conversation will create some of that awareness, but what about for people who are like, they just kind of, I've never thought about this, Dr. Cindy, what, where, where am I today? Yeah, that was the, that was my, that was my 25 year old self right before I defended my dissertation. Literally, that was me. It was like, I never occurred to me because I, I checked all the boxes. I did all the things right. I did all my homework. I did all the classes. Like I had done it and I'm going, how did, wait, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> how did I miss this class? So I, I think that happens to a lot of us, but to your point, there was an MLO a mortgage loan officer that I was coaching a couple of years ago, and he was a new leader, brand new leader. And he was a phenomenal MLO, crazy numbers, fantastic in ups and downs of the markets, but was now a leader. He was managing and coaching people to do it exactly how he did it. Mm. And totally get it. And I'm sure many listeners are, are recognizing this right now. What ended up happening is the personal brand he was selling them was that he was rigid. He was not open to ideas. He did not care about his people. Hmm. And then he ended up in coaching with me. And when we started to do this inventory and started to unpack it, he was devastated because he never stopped to think about it because he thought his past accomplishments spoke for themselves. He now had the business card that said branch manager. Of course, they were following him. Of course, he never paused to think about the brand that he had. And once he did, he actually flipped it around and he's done quite well. And I, I'd actually love to know what he's doing now because it's been, been years. But it was really interesting to watch that exploration and that journey for him of self-reflection and brutal honesty. Yeah, Because he had to look himself in the mirror and go, oh, I can see why they would perceive me as rigid. I can see why they're seeing me as this because that's what he was selling them on. You bring up a very interesting point around coaching. Um, you do coaching. I do coaching. You know, I, I kind of laugh. You know, the first 10 years of the business was agency. Um, we would do what people told us to do. Um, then the next five years was consulting. At this point, I say I'm a recovering consultant because we would go in and diagnose and then tell people what they should do. But what I found out is there's a an even better path forward that I call coaching. Because, you know, two decades worth of experience, you see the patterns, you see the trends. And yeah, you can go in and you can tell people what to do, but with four kids, that doesn't always work so well. I kind of realized that with my kids. <laughs> What's the difference in your mind between, say, consulting versus coaching? Because I've been doing a lot of thinking about how to communicate this because I think there's a lot of confusion. I think coaching gets a bad rap because it's almost like anyone and everyone can call themselves a coach these days. Yeah. But you've been doing it for a long time. I've been doing it for a long time. And we see the value on the other side, but in your mind, compare and contrast coaching versus consulting. So I believe consulting is the exploration, the diagnosis, the opportunity to see where the good, where the bad, what needs to shift. 
I believe the coaching is the implementation and execution of that plan. Yeah. And if I, and if I could ban the word coaching, and this is funny coming from a coach, but if I could ban the word coaching, I would actually nickname it collaborating because that's really what coaching is, right. is it's collaboration. I'm not telling you what to do. You're not telling me what to do. We're problem solving. We're brainstorming. You're asking me questions. I'm asking you questions. So, but you know, in the business world, we're all called coaches. <laughs> but I think, I think you're onto something right there because it's, Coaching, I would find, is more rooted in ancient wisdom, um, the Socratic methodology, you know, getting really good at asking people really good questions to get them to think and more importantly, to get them to self-actualize where the roadblocks are, where the opportunities are. Because once again, if you could just go and diagnose, prescribe and tell them, well, here are the roadblocks and here are the opportunities. From my experience, the the action taken against those external recommendations might be 10, 15, 20% at best, 80% either ignore or do nothing. But when you flip it around and take the coaching or back to your point, more of a collaborative approach to problem solving, the adoption rate on action skyrockets to like 80, 85, 90%. I, maybe even more, and I'm going to go like go on the low end, but like if it's 80% better, it's almost the inverse of what it was previously. Why is that, do you think? Well, at the end of the day, we're still five years old in our minds and we don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> so, I you. you know, I think there's a piece of that. But the way that I would look at it is if someone's engaged in, you know, what we would traditionally in business call coaching, they're looking to up their game. Yeah. If not, it's counseling. If you're being forced into coaching, that's not coaching, that's counseling. You're being pushed into that because you're underperforming. But if you're coaching, you show me an Olympic athlete that doesn't have a coach. Literally, show yep. me show me somebody at the top of their game that doesn't have someone that makes them check tape, yeah. reflect, and challenges them. Uh, that's really what we do at the end of the day. I think... And, 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 I, and I'm bringing this up because alongside of the idea of personal brand and expertise, I see such a tremendous opportunity for financial brands to integrate a coaching methodology within not only internally, but also externally with account holders, with prospects, et cetera, because it's the coaching that can help guide people through chaos and conflict by providing them with objective clarity. You're saying yes. I, you know, I see you. The dear listener can't see you in this conversation, but you're like, yes. Dive into that thinking here for a minute. So it's a relationship. It's literally, and we say, we throw that around, right? It's a relationship business that we're in. But if you are in a relationship, there is a give and a take. There is conversation. And it's not just when there's a problem, when something doesn't work on the balance sheet or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. There is a development of the relationship that is worked on. And in this instance, you as the financial planner, you as the banker, you as the MLO, you as that person who is guiding, you are the coach, you are leading and they need your guidance. They are seeking your expertise. You have to initiate that. And it can't be just when they raise their hand and come to you. If you're truly developing that, and that becomes part of your personal brand, yes, that you want to have that relationship with them. And then here's the great part about that. If you're not a person of interest, then I don't have interest in you, right? Mm. So if you're my banker, let's just say, and you know, you're the person I'm going to, 
that interaction and your relationship with me and your coaching of me and inviting me to explore products and services that you have to offer gives me a story to go tell about you. If I don't have a story to tell, I went in, I did my stuff that day. You did my financial review as my financial advisor and I got nothing. I'm not going to go tell anybody anything. So give me something to talk about. It's, it's something that I've said many times on this podcast and through the education and coaching that I do with financial brands. One of the greatest opportunities in the age of AI is to really commit to put the transformation of people over the commoditized transaction of dollars and cents. And, you know, when I wrote Banking on Digital Growth, I started writing it in, in, in probably May of 2019, published in May of 2020. And one of the things I talked about was, was coaching and, and the data that we're going to be able to get from, you know, transactional data, people, how they spend their money. We probably know more about people's financial behaviors than they know about themselves because a lot of those behaviors are at a subconscious level. If we can shine a light on that, that's how we begin to help people reshape not only their behaviors, but probably even more deeply the beliefs that they have around money and why they spend the way that they spend and why they do what they do. McKinsey came out with a report maybe six months ago that looked at like wealth management 2030. And one of the things that the McKinsey report said is because of data, is because of automation, is because of AI, that wealth managers are probably going to act more like a coach to their clients than ever before. And I think, you know, building and establishing a personal brand, selling yourself is going to be a key part of that relationship because, you know, it cannot be transactional. We can't afford for it to be transactional any longer, which is where, as we start to wrap up today, I want to explore part three of your book for just a moment, which you frame as sell because you believe people already know how to sell. Why is that? We were all five years old at one point. (laughs) Five-year-olds are the best salespeople on the planet. Oh my gosh, yes, they are. (laughs) So you have it in you. And if you think back to your five-year-old self, you were singularly focused on a goal. You knew exactly what you wanted. You weren't afraid of no. You had thought through the scenarios. You knew exactly the moment to approach mom or dad or grandma. And you knew exactly what to say. You had a sales plan. We didn't know that at five years old, but that's just consultative sales with a great sales plan and asking for what you want. Mm. So that's what you're doing all day, every day at work. But if you're truly selling, have you thought about the sales plan for you, Mm. for your brand? Have you thought about how you're building those relationships? And I find that a lot of people in any kind of services industry, again, like financial services and whatnot, they're in what I call transactionships, not relationships. (laughs) And, you know, you're only as good as your last deal. You're only as good as the last loan. You're only as good. Okay, why is that? And whose responsibility is it to change it? It's on you. And you got to sell it. Yeah. You know, I want to come back to the point of, you know, five-year-olds are like the best salespeople in the world. (laughs) My wife and I, we have four kids that are now 12, 10, 8, and 6. And I live in a house full of salespeople. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I think I think that the, the key takeaway there for the dear listener is my kids and also as a child ourselves, we we knew what we wanted. We were very clear with our goal. And I think the older that we get, the more we lose touch with what we're looking to achieve. 
and therefore we have to come back to the question that I often coach around. It's another acronym. How do you want to grow? What are your goals? What are your roadblocks? And then what are the opportunities to overcome those roadblocks to move forward and make progress towards those goals for growth? Unless we have clarity there, it's going to be very hard to create a future that is, I would say, even bigger, better, brighter than today. Not that today could be bad, but if we're wanting to strive to grow from good to great, we have to get clear into how we want to grow because another roadblock when it comes to this last part of your book um, and really a limitation that I often find when it comes to establishing, expanding, and growing personal brands is people sell themselves short. Why is that? And what can can they do to overcome this So I almost went with that for the title, believe it or not, don't sell yourself short because I think that's what we're taught somewhere along the way. We're taught, you know, humility. And these are very important things. Truly humility is a great lesson, but if our job and our duty on the earth is to impact others, how are you going to do that? If I don't know the impact you can make. And, and I hear this a lot with people who are, you know, let's, let's go back to the MLO. They went with somebody else at their local bank and they didn't go to you and you're their neighbor. Well, why didn't they go to you? Because they forgot you do that. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, why did they forget that you do that? Cause you didn't brand yourself around that. You can be a neighbor and this, and this, and this. And so I, I, I want to invite the listener to examine you selling yourself and advocating for yourself is actually a gift to the world. You are not helping anybody by being quiet about it. If you've got some super hidden talent and nobody knows, they're not gonna just come to you and be like, by the way, do you know how to juggle? Because we've been looking for a juggler. <laughs> like, right. You gotta speak it, you gotta talk about it. And, and if you struggle with that, if you struggle with that, and I'm not saying be braggadocious, I'm not saying be conceited, that's not it at all. I am saying come from a place of humility and service to help others. But if you truly struggle with that, then your job is to surround yourself with those five people that can help you and be advocates for you. That's right. And, you know, one of the mantras that I teach and coach and and wrote about this in Banking on Digital Growth as, you know, an individual philosophy, a team philosophy, or an organizational philosophy is four simple words. Help first, sell second. And... You know, if I think about, because since mortgages has been a big perspective of the conversation, and I don't, don't know why that is, we know that the mortgage market right now is undergoing a tremendous challenging time. People are still buying homes though. Um, you know, I, I, I even look at, you know, if I'm an MLO, one of the greatest opportunities is to go look for, you know, HELOCs. How, how can you empower people to unlock the equity in their home to open up cash flow for you know life circumstances and are they even thinking about that or were you just the person who got them the home and you transacted and you went on to the next one and to the next one and to the next one or are you coming back and providing expertise and guidance and maybe even more deeply like hope and optimism because that right there, I think about Jennifer Beeston, who joined me uh, for a conversation all the way back to episode 105, and she was part of a compilation of some lenders and leaders who are already developing, establishing, expanding 
personal brands. We did a compilation, episode 200. Jennifer Beeson, though, was one specifically in the space that she is showing up. And I think that that right there maybe is, is a great way to wrap this up. What's a recommendation, practically speaking, to empower the dear listener to just show up to, to create to, and then ultimately to sell their personal brands so that at the end of the day, they can sell themselves? So the homework assignment, old professor here, can't help it. <laughs> the homework assignment would be, look at what it is that you do that makes people come back to you. So, you know, we talk about differentiation and we talk about, you know, value props. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, what is the thing that you do that makes people want to be your friend, want to come back and work with you, want to call you? You're the guy that they're going to call when they have a question. Mm. What is that thing? Distill it down to the most basic, like true one sentence statement and then sell that because that's what they're buying at the end of the day. Is it the fact that you actually come across as genuine and you're not gonna sell them something that doesn't make sense? If that's it, own that and bring that to the rest of the world because the world needs everybody's gifts right now. We are, you know, at the at the time of recording, we're coming out of the great resignation and all of these things. The world needs everybody to come with their most powerful self and you're not doing anybody any but any favors not knowing your own superpowers. Takes courage, it takes confidence. Dr. Cindy, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom with all of us today. Where can someone continue the conversation that we started here and also pick up a copy of your book Sell Yourself? So I'm at drcindy.com, D-R-C-I-N-D-Y.com, and sellyourselfbook.com. There's lots of extra goodies in there. And First Lady of Sales, 1ST Lady of Sales on social media. Connect with Dr. Cindy. Learn with Dr. Cindy. Grow with Dr. Cindy. Get the book, Sell Yourself. Dr. Cindy, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thank you so much for having me. This was great fun. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.